podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, My Path Takes Me Strange Places, where we talk about the new information we have on the silver sun. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we discuss the setting of Invisible Sun. We're going to walk the path again now that we've got a whole bunch of new information about each of the suns. And we're going to start with the Silver Sun, obviously. Uh, So I think the last time we did this was back during the Kickstarter, and we talked about the information that we had about the suns back then. And now we have the books, we've got uh, Teratology, which includes uh, a host of information about all the suns, which includes new places, new NPCs, and all sorts of cool stuff. So we're going to start with the Silver Sun, because I have to I have to bone up on that one, because my players might be visiting that sun pretty soon, so I need to know it. Um, so what is the Silver Sun, and what does it represent? Uh, Once again, this place represents creation and birth and beginnings. Uh, And what we can get from the teratology is that some people uh, are caught up in belief systems that um, think of the silver sun as heaven. And uh, also they think of the red sun as hell. And a lot of that has to do with the large presence of angels that can be found under the silver sun. Uh, and another thing about the silver sun is that it's the place where makers are going to feel most at home because it's all about creation. And the warden here, uh, who goes by the name Therim, uh, the, the ethos of Therim is art for art's sake is the truest form of truth. So highfalutin, uh, artsy fartsy sort of warden. Uh, there is also an association with the legacy here. Uh, angels are very closely associated with the legacy. And so the silver sun is also very closely associated with the legacy. And we haven't really talked about the legacy much, have we? No, that might be worth an entire segment, uh, or it might be worth not talking about because it is so mysterious. I think it's actually worth talking about. And I think there's a lot about the legacy that we can and should talk about that would be common knowledge to Visley. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like angels are part of the legacy and there are other things that are associated with the legacy that we might want to touch on. Um, But I want to talk about a couple of places under the silver sun, Uh, because if if you've got Visley who are going here, here are some of the things that they might want to do. Um, so like you can find information about this in the path, obviously. Uh, and that's going to talk about the silver mountain, um, all Rustam and the city on the hill. But, uh, we have some new locations from Teratology, which is really cool. Cause this gives you a more, this gives you more information about what you can find under the silver sun and gives you more ideas to work with more things to take, uh, and use in your campaign. 
So the first thing, the first one we've got here is the Citadel of Inspiration, which is devoted to creation, and it's got workshops and kilns and and fort ooh and forges. Um, so this is a a huge, vast citadel, and it's run by an interesting NPC who goes by the name Varuna Chicory, uh, also referred to as the Sterling, and she runs she runs the citadel. And there's a whole big NPC entry for her in the Teratology, which I'm not really going to get into the details, but hey, if you've got makers who are interested in going somewhere with tools and resources that they could take advantage of, this might be a place to go. So uh, one thing I was thinking about was if you if you do have characters that make uh, make a journey over to the Silver Sun and you have a maker interested in building something there the citadel of inspiration just feels like a place that if a maker can get in there and do work there you might want to throw them uh bonuses on whatever they are building in this place or maybe give them you know silver specific abilities to the items that they're crafting it might also be a place that they would be able to gain access to specialized tools Mm -hmm. that they could add to their venture for that reason yes um, so we also have Fidala, Fidala, which is a, an artist commune that's far from any well-traveled road on, uh, forming mirror, which is a lake. Uh, and this almost sounds like, you know, a nice little town to run into in a traditional fantasy game, uh, cause they offer services like lodging, food and supplies, but it's, unlike a traditional fantasy town because it's an artist commune and it's headed by, oh man, who wants to pronounce this? Esthenes, a uh, spiritual entity entity who is rarely seen by anybody. I think you handled that just uh, fine. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but when I was reading through this, it, it, it sounded a lot like, oh, this is just a, this is just a town that you can run into. And it might have an interesting parallel to, your traditional fantasy town where you have the uh, dancing pony in or prancing pony in uh, and a blacksmith and your characters can go there and, you know, take a load off, but it's, it's an artist commune. And I don't know how you might want to pull that part of it into your narrative, but Hey, it's, it's there. I was interested with the distinction between the Citadel of Inspiration and Fadala that a lot of locations in the silver distinguish between creation of of objects like uh, of uh, like like a maker would would do functional objects um, and even that doesn't sound quite right um, and more pure expressions of art for art's sake like ex- where the value is largely expressive versus physical or or, or, or functional. Um, and so you, if you were building a sword, you might go to the uh, Citadel Inspiration. If you were writing a play, you might go to Fadala. And it's it's nice that kind of both are represented, but it's also interesting that they're separated to some degree. Yeah, there is a there is there is further separation of functionality versus form uh, because here you have the Tower of Beginnings, which is where you're going to find maps and atlases of all sorts of locations. And the suggestion here is your your group needs to find something they need to find something under another sun but it hasn't you know it's its way is unclear the way forward is unclear well you know you go to the tower of beginnings and you can find a map 
uh, to this place that, you know, supposedly no longer exists, but hey, they have a map to it. Uh, and you just have to go there and talk to the blessed cartographers, the monks who run it. Uh, so you have this functional location where they, where you're building tools uh, that you can use. And then you have uh, Zabrinica, the city of music, which is uh, dedicated to music. And you're going to find the greatest mu musicians here, uh, one of whom is named uh, Conflagration, who heads the band, uh, this band name. I, I, I don't know if I've run into a, a name in any of the Monty Cook games settings that I've liked less than this one. Matchbox full of faithful. <laughs> like I really like the name, but oh man, it's also really terrible. <laughs> yeah. I might change that band name if I were bringing them in. You're just going to change the max matchbox 20, right? Uh, no, I might, I might, I might go, go, be so separate. <laughs> so you have all, yeah, you have these distinctions between function and form uh and the the warden here cares about art for art's sake but is also a patron of makers which i find interesting right and and you can follow this provides a model for other locations one might want for her or his own campaigns because we've got a music community we have a maker a general maker community we have a cartography community. So you might imagine, well, you could have an entire location devoted uh, mostly to painting or to sculpture or to uh, you know, musical theater. Any of these could have their own locations and can be set up much like Zabrinica is for a city of music. Uh, similarly, for, uh, you know, for maker style work, you might have an entire community focused entirely on um swords or martial weapons versus another community that's uh, on focused on forms of transportation. These subsets that where, where people or communities come together to create similar types of products would uh, are, are you, you can imagine a long list of these, but of these communities within the silver sun. And then you could even mix it up and, and go the other direction to say, well, what if there are communities that are deliberately trying to combine the sort of, the, the uh, maker style of community and the artist style of community. So you would have a city where you, you, people are making musical instruments and then also creating music, or they are creating weapons, but they are trying to do so in a way that is itself beautiful. And so they're bringing in sculptors and visual artists, other visual artists to make their weapons beautiful in addition to functional. Uh, it's also interesting that the the warden. Uh, I'm reading through his stuff again, and the warden is uh, first and foremost a creator himself, and he he crafts objects of singular beauty that are utterly without function or purpose. So, it's I, I find it interesting that you've got this warden who you can, you know, call on him to help you with you know, whatever it is you're making. But when you're a maker in this game, everything you're making has purpose. Like there's no, like there's no time that a maker, I mean, I guess there, a maker could build something just so that it's beautiful. Um, but this is a game and we're engaging with the systems in the game. So if you're making something, it's going to have a purpose outside of just looking nice. So it's interesting to think of what can you do with this warden who, 
might help you with something that you're building, but also not be super impressed with it because you're not making it just for it to exist. And my reading was that, uh, and again, modifying the language slightly, was that the uh, theorem creates without creates objects with no obvious purpose. So he's not creating, um, you know, uh, how, he's not building houses or creating tools uh, or doing things that have an obvious purpose. But it could still be that he's creating objects that have a greater purpose or a different type of purpose than they are, are seem to have at first blush in the sense that I, I don't like, I wouldn't like to say that a painting has no purpose. Its purpose is to be a beautiful painting. Mm-hmm. Its purpose is to inspire certain reactions. So in some sense, every type of creation has a purpose. Uh, I mean, some may accomplish that purpose better than others, but uh, any artistic achievement has a purpose, uh, but that purpose might not be obvious to outsiders and it might not be obvious to those who have a very pragmatic orientation where they think everything you you spend your time making should help you overcome a known obstacle. But it could be that he's putting together, say, paintings that look like they're just paintings, but in the end, it it ends up being a a series of clues uh, to overcome some great threat to the actuality uh, or uh, these paintings could uh, themselves inspire a certain emotional state that opens a gate into the labyrinth. Um, and again, they don't, they aren't obviously fulfilling that purpose when they're created. And uh, the, the warden knows, but viewers don't typically know. Uh, so I, I would like, I would play with that as an indication that the warden is creating things for a purpose, but it might not be a purpose we understand right now. That feels like a more interesting uh, take on it. <laughs> but then again, you're introducing a purpose into the art that this warden is creating. Yes, in part because I, I have trouble imagining what something is with, totally devoid of purpose. Now, I understand it not having a function, a, a traditional function, um, mm-hmm. or uh, or even the purpose being aesthetic. Its purpose is to be beautiful. Uh, but I, st- I just have really have trouble figuring out what is something that truly has no purpose at all, because something that is beautiful in and of itself, it can have the purpose of being beautiful. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Well, I was going to say, we, we, this is why we decorate things. <laughs> oh, okay. You're going to be nice. Yes. <laughs> I am so ignorant of Kim Kardashian. I don't even know how to, how to in, in, carry on such a conversation. Well, um, I guess I've been trying to figure out. Um, so when when your when my players encounter this warden, do I want to have this warden building items that have an unknown purpose, or do I want to engage in a question of what is the purpose of art? I think those are those are both very interesting ways of using the warden in a story. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what my, what my players would be interested in. I guess we'll find out. A, a related story could also be if you if your characters have to consult the warden in the creation of some purposeful object, they may also feel pressure to make it beautiful in ways that are unre- unrelated to the function of the object and costly. <laughs> so like the, the warden might say, I can help you build this, uh, this gate. Uh, however... 
I think this gate should really be composed of this particular material, not because it's necessary for the gate to function, but because it would be really pretty that way. And now the characters have to figure out how do you balance their their willingness to expend resources, ex uh, take time, uh, and the like to create an object prettier than it needs to be to be functional. Because we're so used to our games where you do the minimum to create. What do you have to create to fulfill that the purpose of that object um, in the game? But the, the Warden of the Silver Sun is going to be interested in something very different. He's going to want it to be both functional and beautiful. Uh, and he's he, Tim, it might be uh, a foreign line of thinking entirely to ask, how do you define function without beauty? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be considering that. So with Teratology, we have a whole bunch of monsters that we can, you know, look at to get examples of what's in the Silver Sun. But I think that might be best reserved for maybe more of a monster focused episode. Because um, I was just looking for an overview of, you know, what's in the Silver Sun? What's the warden like? And what am I going to do with it? Yeah, I think because I haven't read through all the creatures yet either. One way we might be able to tackle this is tackle it set, sun by sun to go through the creatures of that sun. But you, uh, yeah. I think because of where you are in your campaign, it made sense also to talk about the locations and the kind of updated understanding of the tone of the sun. So maybe yeah. we get two two segments out of every sun from here on out. We get the location and tone update and then the creatures. Yeah, uh, shorter segments too. Um, maybe next time we uh, pull in more from the core books because I don't know if we really used a whole lot of that from you know the previous times we visited. Like the material in the path um, itself. Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, look forward to uh, talking about the, you know, the rest of the suns in the future. We don't really have anything about the night side other than what's in the path. So, hey, uh, when we get to the green sun, we might have uh, a bit more to talk about, but we'll, we'll see. And there will be a book coming out eventually. <laughs> in, uh, what, two years? That one's only two books away, isn't it? The next book is the, the labyrinth. Ingidrian? No, isn't there a nightside book? Oh yeah, there is the nightside book. Yes, and that I believe is probably by Gen Con of next year. Ooh, that would be cool. I'm sorry, yeah, not this year, but 2020. Yeah, that sounds about right. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and help people find us.